The 100% Wild Podcast is brought to you by Onyx Hunt, the nation's number one GPS hunting app. Download today in the Google Play and App Store. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Drury Outdoors 100% Wild Podcast. I'm Tim Chelsvik, and we've got a full crew today here. That's right. I'm Matt Drury, the other part of the podcast, mm-hmm. the weekly part. We've got the four fecta going. Mm. Mark Drury and Kurt Geyer from the Working Class Bowhunter Podcast. Yes, sir. Thanks, guys, in for having studio. me. So yeah, this is awesome. We're we're officially crossing the stream now. This is the real cross of the streams. Yeah, we, like we might blow up here. Like we didn't last time over over Skype. It call, was close. But it might happen now. That's <laughs> and, right. And for folks that weren't born in the 1980s, that's a Ghostbuster reference. That's right. You that's how they cross, took out the Stay Puft yeah. Marshmallow Man. <laughs> you weren't supposed to cross the streams, but they did it, and it worked. So yep. let's see what we got. <laughs> Try and make it through this. <laughs> there are four of us here, and, and we've we've officially upgraded the amount of tattoos in the studio. That's right. Yeah, we're bringing that up again. <laughs> well, we're here we starting go. There, you well, know, since you brought it up, Tim's we did with, with Rihanna, Carrie, and Tim's like, I, I don't think going into it is like, I don't think we should bring up, you know, uh, what it's like to be a woman hunter, and that's a, a conversation everybody has, and I. Kidding you not, Tim brought it up in the podcast. I looked at him like, oh, it was it was a nuanced take on it, (laughs) but but I did totally did. You broke your own rule. Yeah, so I've been guilty of that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I got a kick out of it. So we're gonna ask Kurt, like, what's it like being a girl in the outdoor hunting industry? Well, I've had like when we had a couple women on our show at first, like it sounds bad the way I worded that, I guess, but it was like that's what I wanted to talk about. What's it like being a woman in the industry? And then I was like. Well, I'm apologize for asking it that way because it's the most cliche question and here we are again. And so I try to veer from that, but it is what it is. It is a topic of conversation and sometimes it's important to address. What I was attempting to do was to tease out like how do you establish (laughs) credibility because I think there's such a negative view of the term huntress and some people just dismiss women out of hand because of the huntress Mm -hmm. uh, phenomenon. So, yeah, I get it. So do they dismiss people with tattoos? Is that the, is that the connection here? People judge. Right, yeah, they do. Actually. I was just like kidding. Cause it was funny. Last time when we did the video podcast, we brought it up, but it, they do though. It's a common thing to be looked at because you have tattoos and it's coming. It's more common now. I brought it up when he was on the podcast the last time that we had a, a core following that absolutely loved it when John Frank and Adam yeah, Frank, because John was all tatted yeah, up. Yeah. Sure. I mean, they, they, it was somebody that they could finally relate to, mm-hmm. you know, that looked like them, that talked mm-hmm. like them, that mm-hmm. rode Harleys. And, and John was our guy for a long time and, yeah. and, and had a following. Yeah. So. I was a fan. I remember watching him on there. I was like, that guy's awesome. <laughs> He's like, yeah, so, here so. I am. <laughs> I don't know what I would get if I were to get a tattoo. You don't have any It's a at big all. commitment. I could see you having a big dragon tattoo on your back. <laughs> who, said, who says I don't? <laughs> Extend your eyebrows. <laughs> get a jury outdoors tattoo. That's where you could start. Yeah, Tim. How committed are you? Yeah. I like where this is That would be the going. ultimate, like, if there was ever a conversation where I had to be terminated, I'd be like, well, I did get a jury outdoors You owe me tattoo. a percentage of something forever. <laughs> yeah. Just get a... There is actually a guy out there with a jury outdoors tattoo. I, it was years ago, but he sent in on Facebook. <laughs> book and he had the full shield and everything and i feel like we maybe ended up running in him in a trade show at the ata show yeah we 
Yeah. He's going to write in now. And and the Drury Outdoor Shield isn't like, you know, the Bone Collector tattoo. You get that and I get it. It's a it's cool logo. A deer hunt. You know, it's, it's a deer. Like yeah. Uh-huh. But, but if you're putting the Drury Outdoor Shield, you are a diehard Drury Outdoor Shield. That's cool. There's yeah. people who have working class bow hunter tattoos. What? Right there again. And that blows my mind. It's a mind. cool logo. It's, it's a cool logo. Yeah. You know. I don't even have it and I need to. I got a, I got a spot for it you right there. You put that there. shield on. You're literally putting our name on your body. <laughs> that's, yeah. That's yeah. The last name. Commitment. Yeah. It's commitment. It's cool though. Way back in the like... I want to say the late 80s, early early 90s, we got a letter, I believe it was at the MAD office, and they had named their child Mark Terry, and I forget the last name, but I I always wondered what happened to (laughs) Mark Terry. It's like a boy named Sue. They wrote this wonderful letter, and of course, we responded back to him, you know, and we were very humbled and very honored, but I always wondered... Where's he at? You know? And yeah. So Mark Terry, to, if you're, if out, you're there, out there, we'd love to have you on reach the podcast. out to us. Yeah. That you, Seriously. That yeah. would be awesome. It would <laughs> yeah. be awesome. I don't know how old he is right now, but I, I'd love to see. He'd him. have to be about 28 dish. Yeah, probably. Hopefully yeah. he's a hunter. So whoever knows Mark Terry, <laughs> I don't know his last name, but he was named after us unless they were totally made it all up. I don't know, but I'd love to meet. <laughs> they yeah. were hoping to just get a call <laughs> in return. They, box they call. probably did. Yeah. He probably, probably. Did something. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. Think That's about deep. that, Tim. Yeah. I name my son Bo. We call him Bo Madness because he's a, <laughs> Crazy. a nightmare around the house. <laughs> my mom called me up. She's like, how's Bo Madness doing? And it screwed me up because I was like, well, what? You, the show. Yeah. Why do you, what do you want to know about the show? And she's like, he's doing no, your son. <laughs> That's, That's awesome. funny. Two first names. You just that's <laughs> died well, ride. now two first names. It's okay when that's your first name and middle name, but it's tough when Mark it's your Terry. first name, last name. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if, and if his name was Mark Terry, uh, John, then yeah, that's, poor that's, hopefully he's a hunter and hopefully material. he knows why he was named that. I hopefully, hope so. Hopefully he's not an anti hunter somewhere. That'd yeah. be kind of awkward, right. huh? Yeah. Took a whole turn for the worse because of it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. He's traumatized <laughs> reaching out. Hey man, love to have you on this hunting podcast. Mm-hmm. He's like, Oh, I work at Starbucks. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, sorry, man. This is awkward. It, it is funny how people show their level of commitment to hunting in different yeah. in different ways. Yeah. I know a lot of guys whose kids' names are Hunter. Oh, no doubt. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. Hunter and Boone and Shooter, Archer, you know, all kinds yeah. of hunting names. A lot of that going on. Yeah, for yeah. sure. The yeah. back glass of your pickup truck is, you know, is it loaded up with decals, decals and stickers? Yeah. And- yeah, well, hunting's one of those things people feel so passionate about it and it means something different on different levels for different people. So there's some like I'm covered in outdoor animal tattoos, like that's my way of committing myself to what I love. So mm-hmm. you know, it makes sense. There's some people like grew up in it, you know, it's like most of us, you know, their grandfather's a big hunter and so on. So it's kind of just enriched in a lot of family history. So, you know, it goes a long way. It's so do your tats ever spark a topic of conversation with random stranger that, that may not be hunters, you know? Oh, all the time. Yeah. Um, like the other day I was actually at AutoZone just kind of dreading <laughs> things being at AutoZone and some ladies like, Oh wow, you got, and like, you know, they come up and pull your shirt sleeve really? up and I'm like, all right, well, you're touching me and we're in public. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's one of those like, you're a hunter. I'm like, yeah. And I really like animals and it kind of makes for awkward conversation because they don't ever approach you comfortably. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're coming rolling up parts of your clothing. Yeah. I'm like, all right, this is what we're doing. So no, it's cool though. There's a lot of cool questions about them. And, um, I don't, if I hated them, I wouldn't keep getting them. So 
run out of space. Part of the deal. I know. <laughs> I got to go other places. The legs and everything else are still getting worked on. So some people call me crazy, but Just I enjoy wait till it. they start pulling those shorts up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, I don't know if I want that. <laughs> I'm not wearing that short of shorts, though, Therefore, either. Therefore, you so. have that cutoff line. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. The divider of people is wearing camo in public. It's funny you mentioned that. I just saw, uh, I think it was Pat Reeves. It was, I was on Instagram this morning and their son had a baseball uh, game this weekend or whatever. And, and Pat was, as he always is, he was in Mossy Oak. And, and I was even thinking that I wonder how many people are sitting there in their camo at the game, mm-hmm. you know, like Pat is, he's representing our sport and, Absolutely. and Mossy Oak. And mm-hmm. yeah, you know, you see, well, it depends on what, what, I guess what type of person? Because you could go to Walmart and you can see camo almost any. <laughs> it's not any a guarantee that person's a hunter either. No, yeah. it's not. I see a lot of people at Walmart that probably aren't hunters, but that I think that's where they're shopping, potentially getting their clothes. You know, and mm-hmm. you get there's some cool garments out there. Yeah. you know that are that are camouflaged. One of the mm-hmm. the main reasons I don't wear a whole lot of camo in public is just because I'm kind of cheap and I don't want to wear my camo out. Don't to fade it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, you gotta exactly. wash it one extra time. Uh-huh. But yeah. boy, the new camo, it doesn't fade hardly unless it's no. the cotton, like yeah. the new synthetic stuff. Mm-hmm. It just yeah. doesn't fade. Right. Yeah. There's different genres of public camo wearers out there for sure. You know, you got your, your guys that wear the high end camo out and it's more of a fashion statement. You have guys uh-huh. that are mid October, mid November from the hunt wearing camo. You can always tell, but those oh, guys yeah. are usually yeah. wearing orange. <laughs> they, yeah. They're wearing like a lot of that. orange hat. Yeah. It's in the truck at all times. Stays on the, the dash everywhere they drive. Oh, yeah. And yeah. In case they see one out of the truck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Perfect. They were legal. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. It's funny. In case we all know that guy. guy. Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. yeah. We yeah. all laugh when we pause oh, yeah. and think, oh, yeah. That, yeah. I live That's in a town of 600 people and, you know, come the two weeks before any firearm season, even now they're still, people still have their orange hats and the, and the dash. And it's kind of, it's kind of an amazing thing too. To well, there see. too, you're Badge talking about flying your colors. That's yeah. what they're doing. Yeah. It's like the Jeep wave, yeah. Yeah. motorcycle wave. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, part of a club. Yeah, you get closer to that time of year. You see guys with their trailers and four wheelers on the back. You know, that's the most time there's any any traffic in Sherrard, Illinois when hunting seasons end. There's guys getting up early and heading out to the woods. Yeah, when you go to the Casey's and like every truck there has got a side by side or a trailer. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, yeah. That's you know, when you start hunting season. Yeah, you start peeking in the back of everybody's yeah. truck at the gas station to see what they got. And also a badge of honor. Have yeah. some deer in the back. A little of the blood truck. coming oh, yeah. down the tailgate. Yeah, right. right over the license plate. Oh yeah. <laughs> I was taking my daughter turkey hunting this past spring, and it was like four o'clock. We're rolling down the road. She's like, "There's really no one out right now." It's like, "Yeah, really. The only people you'll see out at this time of day are." either hunters or criminals yeah. <laughs> or both yeah. now they're still up or they just got them. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's yeah. right yep yep it's that's just funny. a different there's a dividing world. line in there <laughs> that's right oh, kid but but those are the kind of things that make me feel like whenever i meet another hunter i just feel like they're a family or like there's a kinship because mm-hmm. there's these shared experiences and yeah these kind of touchstones that we all recognize in the hunting community well yeah. how many dear friends do you have that aren't hunters you know that's the thing that i always you know recognize like yeah. i don't really have close friends that don't hunt, you know, cause you lose that bond and you lose the things to talk about and yeah. that type of stuff. And, and they just don't get it if, if they don't you, hunt. Yeah. You know? If you examine your friends, you go, well, how many do I have that don't hunt? There's usually not many. Yeah. A couple that I can think of. Yeah. And they're probably not your close, close friends. You not know? anymore. Yeah. <laughs> right. So it's just, just weird because of that tie and that bond, right. mm-hmm. you know? 
And they're the ones that you text like out of the blue during the season when you kill and send in pictures. And yeah, a lot of my friends that don't hunt, it's not that they, they kind of get it. They get why I'm obsessed with it. They think it's cool. And they're always my friends. I'm trying to push to like, Hey, just get a bow and see if you like it. Then we'll get, we could take our relationship to yeah. the next level. Imagine what we do could be. This. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's just, uh, you know, some of those people are the, you know, maybe we need to push harder to get those people into it. I don't know, but I've done that with, uh, with probably three or four of my friends just by starting them out, helping me track deer because it's yeah. like an Easter egg hunt for grown like to track. They really, yeah. it's so much very fun. Very few people don't get very interested very quickly in tracking. It's, it's actually a great point. Mm-hmm. It's a great point, but boy, a good story for a uh, deer cast. Free hunting activities. That's a well, double edged no, sword. Somebody by taking them on the track. Cause I don't Absolutely. know that you'd also really want somebody that has no knowledge of the outdoors, like trashing the track job. If you, 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 you know you what I mean? Like, yeah. Give them kind yeah. of the parameters. Yeah, for like how you, you got to be how real careful to there too. Double long hit. Take them on that track. Yeah. Job. Right. 20 yeah. yards. <laughs> yeah. Get them right in there. But they do. People love to look for blood. They mm-hmm. seek and find, you know, they like yeah. I mean, it's, we're all hunters. So we all know this. That's my favorite part of it. Mm-hmm. It's the, the trail to success really. But, or failure. Or, you know, <laughs> right, yeah. or failure. Yeah, it's, it's true. Unfortunately. Right yeah. if, you're, if you're bow hunting, you're going to have some that really break your heart. You yeah. Know? There's been times where we were, you know, trailing a deer. And I think if I didn't have dad here or yapper or it's like, man, I've learned a lot paying attention to how they track because it's a lot slower than, you know, than I would have gone about it. But not only that, say it starts getting to that where it's a pin drop, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's really hard. A lot of times, almost, almost every time it's Yapper or dad and it's the guys that maybe don't have the best eyes, but they have the knack for finding blood. And it's just like, damn, (laughs) you know, it may have been 10 feet, 20 feet, 30 feet until you saw the next drop and they found it. You know, it's like uh, that always blood trailing always amazes me always amazes me when you don't have that big trail and mm-hmm. you got to get on your hands and knees and you're looking and yeah. it, it's it's amazing when you got somebody that's really good at it to mm-hmm. watch them work yeah yappers especially has always been very fun to watch it, it's much harder than most people think and yeah. i think a lot of people make mistakes when they're blood trailing you know because mm-hmm. i look at all the trails we go on on a year and it's like man if you didn't have the experience we would have lost that deer mm-hmm. you know and, yeah. and we do lose deer you know it's one of the reasons we did deer cast track because it's often overlooked. You know, you hear right. about everything up to the shot and you never hear about the tracking process. The They're hardest part. The yeah. hardest part <laughs> sometimes that's harder than, than getting the deer within bow range or gun range. And mm-hmm. that's why we did that, that part of deer cast this year to, to, you know, help, you know, solve another problem for somebody. One was deer movement and another is tracking. And you really didn't hear a lot about either. And you yeah. think about it, how many you go on in a year, which is a lot between Iowa, Missouri, Texas, mm-hmm. you know, you go to a lot of States and you, you know, you, between your hunting and Taylor's and Wade's and you see, you know, all the guys, and does, you know, you know does, yeah. you see a lot of deer die, but your average guy We'll see one mm-hmm. a year, mm-hmm. two maybe, mm-hmm. you know, a doe and a buck or something like that. And, yeah. you know, it's almost like relearning every year. You know, if you're not yeah, you're doing rusty. it a lot, yeah. you're rusty on the first one. It's like, all right, all right, I got to get my head space into the right spot. And yeah. everyone's different. Man. Yeah, your yeah. eyes got to get adjusted. And there's a lot of things that you don't know what to look for unless you've like kind of experienced before. Like I always tell my friends and on, on our podcast, uh, just if you can go with your buddies to track a deer and their friends, if, if you're invited to go along, go along. Because, you know, there's a lot you might pick up 
from their trail that you might run in down the road. But now with the DeerCast app, that I think that's the coolest thing and a big game changer because as soon as I hit a deer, even if I know the hit's good, I have my circle of friends that I'm calling. Hey, I hit here. What do you think? Like, yeah. how long do you think I should wait? And, you know, it's always what broadhead you shoot and how much penetration do you get? What, you know, it's the full breakdown. It's going to save me some phone calls, but I'll probably still make them anyway because I kind of enjoy it's that. It's fun. But, yeah. You know, and, yeah. How, many, how many good hits have we made? And then the track job just goes on and on and on. Yeah, yeah well, define maybe, a good hit, right? right. You know, yeah, a good hit is when you see them or hear them fall down. That's yeah, it. exactly. Yep. Beyond that, you need some help mm-hmm. through DeerCast Track or friend or whatever it might yeah. be. But it, track jobs are tricky. There's always mm-hmm. some odd, you know. And and it, while we were going through this process of creating the videos for DeerCast Track, it's opened my eyes to the anatomy side mm-hmm. of a deer, which you really don't like. I'm in that class of maybe, you know, gut one or two deer a year, mm-hmm. maybe kill one or two a year. And that's it realistically. And you just, I haven't seen a lot. So you, yeah. you mm-hmm. don't really know exactly how far the lungs go back or, you know, where Arteries the liver is at. Or or the art, you know, mm-hmm. it's seeing the anatomy side of deer cast track. I find more interesting than, than anything for yeah. sure. Yeah. Studying that alone. Yeah. It really comes down to whether you severed an artery, one of the several arteries or not, you know, even a double lung hit, you can go through both lungs deer can be alive four or five hours later, you know, but if you hit an artery an inch to the right, they're dead within seconds. So it really comes down to whether you hit an artery or not. And that's one of the reasons we did it to just to make people think. So they're not out there bumping deer that they didn't see or or hear go down. And Mm -hmm. and just having an objective voice, whether it's your friend or whether it's the advice you're getting from the deer cast track component of deer cast, because you have so many emotions and you're so emotionally invested in recovering that deer. You're just so prone to make rash decisions yep. in the heat of the moment. Usually it's tracking too quickly. It's, yeah. If there's yeah. ever a time in your life to be pessimistic, it's when you're about to track it's a true. deer. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm an optimistic person. I think a giant's going to walk out anytime I go hunting. But the moment I hit one, I turn into the most pessimistic person ever because mm-hmm. I've lost so many, seen so many that dried up, you know, tough blood trails, couldn't find them. And Taylor's always on me. She's like, you're so pessimistic. And I said, I'll be optimistic when we're sitting behind him. But yeah. you, you have to track with pessimism and think we're about to lose lose this deer. Otherwise you're going to make mistakes if you get too optimistic. Yeah. That's why waiting overnight eats some people alive, you know, because there's just the uncertainty of what if I lose them? Waiting overnight's tough for most people. It is tough. It's tough. Because of the meat factor. You know, it's like, man, there's a real fine line there of, of, and time of year plays into it. It's just a fine line of that, that obviously don't want the meat to spoil. Yeah. So there's an emotional uh, factor that goes into that, especially like when we show those type of hits and when in doubt back out, we've mm-hmm. done that for years and we've taken more heat over that than anything. I think backing out on, on certain hits and it's a fine line because say you go in there that night you jump him, you may never get, get back on him again. You may, you may dry yeah. up. The meat's sure going to spoil that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you may never find him at all. And he still mm-hmm. dies. Mm-hmm. So it's just a tough, it's to me, that's a personal decision. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you're trying yeah. to do the right thing by the deer. We're all trying to utilize every, you know, the meat and the deer and all mm-hmm. that stuff. But if you don't ever recover him, you still did yourself no favors nor the deer. So, yeah. you know, you, that's a fine line, but it's an emotional, I think, connection that people are going to make there when they go on the track job. Yeah, totally. I do. I think the anatomy part of things is huge because one of the, the number one guy I would call is my buddy, Mark Reif, and he's a taxidermist and he knows, I mean, he's a taxidermist that went to the next level to learn everything about deer anatomy. And I'll call him and be like, Hey, you know, what do you think about this shot? And he'll 
he'll be like, well, there's an artery in there if you cut, you know, and he'll start to help break that down for me. So the app can do that for you now, which is big. It's, it's huge. It, I really do think it's cliche, cliche to say it's a game changer, but it really is for a ton of people, especially a lot of new bow hunters that haven't shot a lot of deer. Um, just if you're unsure, just check it. Well, it's like having instantly having four or five buddies and four buddies specifically in mm -hmm. your pocket at all times yeah. that no, that have tracked, you know, cumulative, cumulatively mm -hmm. thousands, of of thousands. Deer. If you if you add in Tracker John and Bobby's collective, you know, because knowledge. all the does, all the bucks, all the deer, all the, deer, deer, yeah. all the ones that John goes on, you know, John will go on, you know, hundred track jobs a year. Bobby the same. Well, they've been doing that for for years. You know, mm -hmm. easily they're in the you know two to four thousand track jobs. Well, a year. Yeah. And you're probably close to a hundred a year. Dad's at fifty to sixty a year. I bet. You know what you I know, mean? For a, a long lot. time. Long time. It's a lot yeah. of deer. It's that a lot too, of and uh, deer body language after a shot can mm -hmm. tell you a lot too. So even like just to get to watch like the video of a deer getting hit oh, yeah. wherever you hit it and, you know, run it, off, you can analyze it that way. Yeah. And I, I always say the time, or I started to say the time to watch deer cast track is really ahead of the season because Study. there's so much information in there about what you're hitting in different areas. Your yeah. best to just sit there and study those. So you start to understand where, what you hit, what reactions the deer are giving you, which also leads you back to what you might've hit. Yeah. Like those guys are breaking mm -hmm. all that down. And if yeah. you do it after the fact, you won't remember because of the adrenaline, you won't remember it. Yeah. But if you program yourself to look for those things, you'll have a better chance of finding that deer yeah that's good advice that's a good idea well not only that but service you know still the the app there there are some service limitations so if you don't have good phone service where you're at right, yeah. you know it may mm -hmm. not pull up those videos in the tree with you mm -hmm. so that's a factor to think about you know just mm -hmm. just in general sitting there studying kind of studying the different parts of the deer and right. where you hit what happens and then you got that knowledge while you're already in the stand we're all, our minds are all going to deer season because we, I just, know. we just can't wait. It's, <laughs> yeah. Finally switched from Turkey to deer, right. You know, yeah, a mm -hmm. couple weeks back. So, yeah. And it's going to be here before we know. And I know a lot of guys are thinking about, okay, I want to get out on the property. I want to see what I got. It's still a little, little early, at least in the Midwest for seeing mm -hmm. what kind of potential you have. Yep. Uh, but one of our listeners, Ryan from Kentucky has a question about summer intrusion. The question of the day is brought to you by Plano Outdoors. Protect your passion. Hey guys, this is Ryan Doss calling in from Kentucky. I uh, want to start out by saying thanks to Drury Outdoors for sharing my picture of my little girl and I with my velvet buck. Uh, really appreciate that. It was a huge honor. Pretty cool to see. Uh, question is for Mark. Um, I'll just go ahead and dive into it. So I have this farm that I've hunted for most of my life. I've never been successful on. Uh, there's always great deer there. It's got food. It's got water. It's got the recipe of a great farm. Plenty of cover. Um, it doesn't get access to a whole lot, you know. Um, there's always seems to be a big deer there every year, but I can never get in front of him. It's like I can never get the farm figured out in the summer. Uh, it's in the, in the rut, it's usually not a, an issue, but I've always wanted to kill a great deer there early season. Um, and basically my question is, is how damaging can it be in these summer months to get into the core of a farm and, and find those summertime beds, you know, where those deer are coming from to come out to those bean fields or come out to those food plots. Uh, you know, early season, the name of the game is, uh, seems like it's bed to food, food to bed. Uh, you got to play the wind, you know, and, and knowing exactly where deer beds is a, is a huge recipe for success in early season. That way, you know, your wind directions, you know, where it's going to be coming from and finding exactly where those deer bed on that farm early season has always been my struggle. 
and I've never really intruded too much into the farm in fear of bumping deer, but then again, it's, uh, it's never really gained me any ground, so I think I'm going to try to get a little bit more aggressive this year, and I was just wondering, you know, how damaging can it be if I do take, you know, a Saturday and get into the core of that farm and, and try to learn more about it for the early season period. Thanks, guys. Love the new show. Love the podcast. You all have great luck this fall. Well, you know, Ryan, you may have helped answer your own question. If you're not succeeding on that farm, is there something that you might be doing that's causing that lack of success? You know, I always say you create your own luck when it comes to deer hunting. And sometimes the best advice you can give someone is to just stop going over to the farm. You know, lack of intrusion is sometimes the hardest thing for someone to do. Um, I can speak or I could say this in, in my you know, time here on earth, I've never gone and looked for summer beds, if you will, not the actual bed themselves. I might try to learn that by watching something from a distance where they don't know that I'm there. But I think Mm -hmm. that's the key to summer scouting is never let them know that you're there because a deer doesn't move very far. He mentioned bed to food, food to bed. Well, that distance is never shorter than it is this time of the year. It might be 10 yards. It might be 50 yards. They're laying in the food or just off the food or they're feeding all around their bed. So therefore, if you found their bed, you probably ran that deer out, you know, and and you learn farms through time and through through experience by watching the farm from a distance. That's why I always say the best time to scout is whenever you're hunting because you're you're trying to kill a particular deer, but you're also watching where deer move through during different times of the year. You're checking your trail cameras. So look back in your trail camera uh, experience from years past. Where are you getting daylight pictures? That's what where we always look for. Let the trail mm-hmm. camera do the scouting for you. Don't do the scouting yourself. So I would look for where they come out from a distance. And then I would also try to look at where am I getting daylight pictures at in years past and go, you know what? They must be bedded close to here. Mm-hmm. Also pay attention to your overall crop rotation. Is it alfalfa? Is there a big acorn crop this year? If that's the case, that's going to slow them down from getting to the field. And always, 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 when it when it comes to early season success, you're going to need a major cold front to, to get that deer out because you're dealing with warmer temperatures at that time of the year than any other time of the year. So I look for those north winds with a rain of it. And those are the two equations that during the early part of the season, we've killed our best deer on, particularly rain along with a north wind. If you get a 20 to three, 20 to 30 degree drop in temperature with rain, every deer in the herd is going to be on their feet and get out there before it stops raining because they're, they're going to be up before it stops at, at all times. But in answer to your question, I'd stay out, watch it from a distance, watch my trail camera pictures. The worst year that we had at the least as far as deer in the early season was the year that we did the most work, food plots and Mm. hanging stands and and putting, you know, Mm. analogics out. I was there more than we had ever been there. And we had a really crappy first few months of that fall. And, and you guys, you know, kept telling me that. And it's just like, it's one of those things where, especially as you're learning, you know, you're, you're excited about trying these things and, Mm -hmm. and doing the work and putting in the time and the effort. And you think, I just need to put in more time and effort mm-hmm. and then it's going to pay off in the long run. But ultimately it ended up kind of biting us that year. And so, you know, since yeah, less is more. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. We get asked a lot of questions for, through our podcast. Like, Hey, you guys have your cameras out yet? I don't have a lot of cameras out because of that reason. I'm, I'm going more the, I'm not going to really mess around out there 
route where you see on Facebook, a lot of guys are like, I'm out scouting like midday scouting and they're in the thick of it. And walking through the woods yeah, looking for tracks. And it seems like I'm doing good. I'm preparing for season, but it might have that long-term damaging effect. And well, you could also put cameras in situations where they're easy to check, put them up higher, put them on time elapse. You don't Mm -hmm. always have to have a deer to trigger the camera in order to learn something about a deer. Mm -hmm. Like I do a lot of time elapse photography Mm -hmm. and scouting because I don't want to sit there and watch the field every single night. I got, you know, maybe 20 fields that I need to be watching. I can't be in all places all the time. So I'll have a camera on time elapse overlooking the entire field and then go back and and watch, watch it in, in, you know, fast motion. You Mm -hmm. get to see what time they're coming out, who's coming out, what part of the field they're coming out on. So that would be another good tip, Ryan, is put it on time elapse from a distance and point it at the right area of the field. What about setting up trail cams where you can drive up to them without even having to get out? Does that help lower intrusion or is it? It's still intrusion. You know, I always think, are they, are they seeing me, hearing me or smelling me right Mm -hmm. now? If, if the answer to that is yes, then you're probably in the wrong place. Mm, That's the way I look at it. See, that's, that was my plan. I was going to go fringe where I can drive my side by side up, check the camera from that and then get out. I figured it'd be less impactful, but Maybe I need to think about that a little more. Yeah, I, I put them out. That's why you see so many of my trail photos, especially during the summer at night, because my stuff's way out from anything close to a bed because I don't want to go mm-hmm. in there to check it. Mm-hmm. It's all about okay. checking it, not the, the quality of the picture you're getting. So my stuff's way out on a destination food source. So when where I'm getting their picture at 2, 3 or 4 a.m., but yeah. they didn't know I put the camera there. They didn't know I came and checked it. That makes sense. So when you go in to hang cameras deeper in the woods, is that like when you're going into hunt a spot, you'll hang a camera? Generally, I'll put those put those out and then I may not check them the entire season. A lot of times I'm scouting a year in advance for the following year. Gotcha. You know, there's a lot of cameras I don't check the whole year. Less is more almost to a point. You almost can't do, you just can't let them know they're being hunted. I mean, mm-hmm. that's the goal, you know? Yeah. Answer those, answer those questions. Can you <laughs> see me? Can you smell me? Can you hear me? Mm-hmm. If it's yes, you're in the wrong place. And that's so hard because you want to feel like you're making progress towards deer season, especially that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. Because the thing is, here's what's so tricky about it. Like a deer never know, almost never let you know that you interfered with his day because they'll just sit there in their damn bed and listen to you or watch you or smell you. Mm -hmm. And they react to that in the future, but they're not going to leave cover. I mean, that's their defense mechanism yeah, yeah, their spot is, has to, worked. is to stay unless they're really encroached upon and then they'll flee. That's their second mechanism. Mm-hmm. But their first one is to sit there and pattern you. So if you're letting them see you, smell you or hear you, you're making a mistake. So I, I have a yeah. tendency to just stay the heck out of my core areas that <clears throat> I know deer are betting in. I watched like that it. happen on a, on a fall hunt in Northwestern Missouri some does came embedded around my, like literally right below my tree. And my buddy got out of his stand around midday to go back for lunch. And they just, and he walked within probably 70 yards of my location, which, you know, thanks a lot, but, (laughs) (laughs) but they just watched him. They didn't get up. They didn't bugger in it. And it was, it it really kind of changed my view. Like when they bed, they just feel like they're invisible and they kind of are. They are. Well, it's proven their spot worked too. Mm -hmm. You know, their bed worked for spot and danger where it's coming from and all that. So it makes sense if you look at it that way. That's why so often when you hit one with a bow or a gun, they'll often go back to where they came out. They'll often go back to that day Mm -hmm. bed because that was a safety zone for them. If you watch your track jobs, one, especially one that's thinking, one that an artery wasn't hit where they're just running dead, Mm -hmm. but one that gets to think, they'll often head back to that day's bed. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I think you would think, oh, he's not going to do that because why would he go back to that area? If you think like on the shell. For a long time. Yeah. Yeah, it's really interesting. 
And it's something to take note of because most track jobs do that, that big half circle right around back to where they'll often go back where they were all day. Yeah. If it's an evening hunt. So maybe shoot your bow a bunch during the summertime, scan your fields, stay out. Well, you see a lot of guys now with the the public land craze on like Facebook and Instagram posting pictures of, you know, out there on the grind and scouting and tromping through the woods and yeah. Kind of makes you feel bad for not being out, but yeah, you feel a little guilty when you see, I man, maybe I should be doing that, but you know, Maybe not. I feel they're a little, doing I'll that because <laughs> they're letting their good spot sit. <laughs> Hopefully, <laughs> they're out yeah. scouting something else while their good stuff's yeah. sitting on yeah. their back chunk of trees. That's in fine. Their go scout your buddy's place. <laughs> yeah. 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 Go yeah. go help him. Hey, you want some help scouting? I'd love to come help you hang. Some I'm gonna start doing that. Go to a city somewhere. ravine and take pictures out scouting to get other people jacked up so they push yeah. all the deer to me. Exactly. <laughs> but you also got to be careful about public land and ensuring that you can actually hang trail cams because yeah. there are a lot of public land. Uh, the, uh, places that are operated like by the Missouri Department of Conservation, some federal properties where you just, they don't allow you to do that. Always yeah. read the rules and regs. Man. Or hang a tree stand and leave it up. A lot of them you can't right? leave stands up mm-hmm. too. Yeah. <clears throat> Got to label them. A lot of rules. Yeah, there is. I, I, who was it? Was it, it was Barry Wentzel when he was on, was saying that he would hang, he would trim all his lanes and then he would take a stand back oh, down. His, his climber. He yeah, he would climber. go in and and trim and get ready for yeah. his for his climb. Public ground. Yeah, had pre marked yeah. trees or something yeah. like that that he'd go yeah, to. I thought that was fascinating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the you know you're and the, obviously they were so successful doing that stuff. But you know you're a diehard when you're going in ahead yeah. of season, climbing up, trimming everything, finding the spot, mm-hmm. climbing up, trimming everything, sure. climbing back down. It's a lot of work. Yeah. Just being ready for it. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. I'm Why not? Ready. I'm ready for deer season. I know. It's, <laughs> it's, I'm getting the itch. I was struggling with it because all my stuff's flooded, but I finally started getting excited about it. And Scott was going to go up and, and, and do some work there on the lease. And so I had to go check some cameras, some cards that I hadn't, you know, the last two, three, four cards from the end of the season are always the toughest for me to check because I, I'm really burnt by that yeah, part the of the level drop. Yeah, yeah burnout. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I put them in and I was making sure I was putting them in my folders and, and all that stuff. And it got me excited, actually. It was like the first time I felt excited this this summer so far about about the upcoming fall because it's mm-hmm. like, man, we did have some good deer on there, especially late season. And and then we found a couple sheds and of those deer. It's like, man, they could be a couple slammers this year. But it was the first time I finally got the itch and it took me having to clear my cards and go back through my <laughs> yeah. late season yeah. stuff from last year to, yeah. to get that mentality. I feel like July 4th is normally like the turning point where a lot of guys that are real hardcore about it start to like get anxious sure. for the season again, for me anyway. Um, but I don't know. It's, it's part of the excitement, you know, it motivates you to shoot your bow and make good shots. So the, the, the drive to wait for deer season motivates you to do other things to prepare and tromp around the woods and spook all your deer out. <laughs> so good and bad, I guess some people don't even realize they're doing the bad, but you don't realize it. Cause the deer don't let you know. They just sit there and watch you. And then they, then they react after you're gone. You <laughs> yeah. Know? Yep. Once in a while they snort, you know, and you go, Oh, well, you know, but I'm telling you, it makes a difference. You probably, it's probably safe to say like a hundred percent of hunters have done that at some point or another. Like we've all spooked oh. deer that we didn't know about oh. somewhere, you know, you do it every time you go in the woods. Yeah. 
Every time you're in their world, man, they know what's there. Which brings it up. It's like, how do you ever go? They're scouting? masters at it. Think of it. They're trying to they're trying to freaking fool coyotes. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Surviving. And predation. They're trying to survive. We're nothing compared to a coyote when it comes to hunting. Yeah. We're nothing compared to them. So, you know, they they have to look at us and probably laugh in their little deer laughs, you know, like <laughs> yeah. this isn't gonna be Start hard. It this again. guy's horrible. <laughs> yeah. You know, this guy's just walking through the timber. <laughs> <laughs> You know, they have to have jokes about us, right? (laughs) Inside jokes. Yeah. There was a a hunter and a farmer walked into a bar. Yeah. (laughs) Well, it's weird because they can be so sophisticated, but then I've encountered so many deer when I'm doing something loud and obnoxious, like going up a tree in my climber, making noise, and I turn around and there's a good deer standing there. Like what's going on there? And they do these weird, I've had Mm. deer run up to me as we're field dressing another deer. And you have these weird, like outlier experiences. You see that a lot of time. They do, but they're just going to react to the situation. It's not in the moment. It's later. Right. I mean, they're, they're imprinting, you're imprinting on them. Oh yeah, completely. You know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? So they'll react to the noise or they'll react to what's that movement over there. Cause they're curious, but then they figure it out. You know, they Mm -hmm. might come back two hours later and smell that whole area and go, there's human scent everywhere here. Mm -hmm. You know, they will figure it out. Watch a doe. Like when she thinks she knows you're there, she won't stop till she figures out what was there. Stomping yeah. the She's not way. satisfied with just, I'm going to get out of here. They have to know what it is so that the they circle, can remember it later. They're doing that so that they learn for future encounters. Yeah. Like. yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Well, now I'm paranoid, so thank you, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it might work out really well for me this season because I'm going to be don't try. super paranoid going in to do any trail cam hanging. All my cameras now are going to be on the fence around the county road. <laughs> At the gate. <laughs> yeah. Even on the yeah. property. Yep. Oh, he's crossing the county road there. Maybe I'll kill take him. a drone and try to take a few shots. Yeah. Yeah. Just hovering from a mile out and just super paranoid. It, but it does make me really think about the cell cam aspect. I almost yeah. brought that up in the beginning and I, d- I didn't get it out in time, but that's really a, the game changer. That's coined a phrase from a while ago. I mean, a lot of guys are switching to those cell cameras and mm-hmm. I think that makes a huge difference. Yeah, for yeah. sure. I can't seem to get a signal anywhere that I want to put. Yeah, they're, they're only as good as their <laughs> signal and their battery life. You know, yeah. if you got to go mm-hmm. in every two to three weeks to change the batteries, what it's have you gained? Yeah. You know? Hey, we, get the wildlife eye out there. We'll set a bunch of those <laughs> let's out. Let's do it. <laughs> Still got a few. We had, we had one one from Reconix, one Reconix camera that was a cell camera mm-hmm. and I, that I got and uh, it, it didn't work on any of my pieces. So I gave it to dad to put on one of his pieces and he had it out and it worked. It did work really well. Mm-hmm. And, and it was funny because there was one, they were hunting it really hard at the end of the season for forest, trying to get forest on a deer. Dad's uh, farm manager and camera guy. And they decided one day not to go one for one afternoon hunt and shoot some deliverables that we had for some of our partners. Mm-hmm. And I kidding you not, I get a text <sighs> message or an email from the trail camera and it was a, a good buck oh. right in front of their <laughs> blind, literally for an hour just feeding. Oh. And He's looking they for were, him. you know, an hour away and they, you know, that they never did kill one off of that property. But then in the off season, Chad Comer 
Forrest had told Chad where the camera was. It was in the corn. Yeah, he, he, he mowed the damn thing. <laughs> it's it's like a twelve hundred dollar camera. Oh, and no. tr- and Chad just shredded it. <laughs> just shredded oh, no. it. I got a picture of it. I'll I'll we'll put it in the podcast. I it was just in pieces. Oh, Send man. it to the yeah. get a replacement. I, I thought about it. Like Jamie, something happened. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know picture what happened. Going down, <laughs> falling down. Oh man, he shredded it. The most expensive camera we had <laughs> ever, <laughs> ever, literally. Yeah. So it, 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 <laughs> there's kind of a, a danger with having a lot of data. Like you can have a lot of information. It can paralyze be, you. Be paralyzed. Yeah, exactly. Drive you nuts too. I've been driven nuts by some, by some cell cams. Like y'all want to be everywhere type of situation. I don't know if mm-hmm. that's where you're going. I just kind of cut you off. Yeah. yeah, yeah <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It's true too. You get emails constantly. <laughs> I set up a different email address just for that camera. And it, it, it was kind of annoying to see, email address? Not, uh, to see how often <laughs> the pictures came through. But when you are honed in on it, the right time of the day, you know, you are interested. You just got to train your eye to scroll through the email yep. real quick, mm-hmm. you know. Do 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 coon coon coyote oh buck <laughs> rack Bigfoot. stop you know <laughs> yeah but but to your point it can be paralyzing when you have too much info or you could be like these guys where they know how to actually take all that info That's and make key. a game plan <laughs> yeah. yeah you know Lee yeah. Lakoski's the marketary Stan Potts these guys that know how to kill big deer and take that information but not all of us From have data that trait. To strategy <laughs> yeah yeah not all of us have that ability. Yeah, I don't think I do. Not as well as I should. I, I kind of do. A lot of it's probably just luck. <laughs> you that know, certainly plays a part. I, I feel like I was getting better at it, but then I think maybe it's the spot. <laughs> maybe the spot, <laughs> the deer just, you know, it's this, the river bottoms and all that. They're just kind of hard to pattern. Oh, and, yeah. And I often wonder <laughs> myself, if I was in a different place, would I be any better of a hunter? Because <laughs> I sure yeah. suck <laughs> in this spot. I'm yeah, no that too, and when you, you, know, you get all your information and you got your game plan and then you have like, Mark, you'd probably come see some of my game plans and be like, what are you doing, man? I'd be like, oh, <laughs> sorry. I was I, just testing you, Mark. Just see seeing you. if you, yeah, <laughs> play it off. Gotcha. <laughs> you, you had to go back and re-strategize everything, just scrap it. You're like, dang it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, really, though, there's a lot of people that, you know, if I had my game plan and showed it to you, you'd probably be like, dude, there's holes all over this thing, you know? Yep. But it'd be a good learning experience. Maybe I'll, I'll just start emailing you. That's sure. what DeerCast was supposed to be about. Yeah. So people quit. It is what them. it's there for. So they stop yeah. texting me. Yeah, like Kurt, you're missing Same the with point. Deercast track. It's all self-preservation. <laughs> yeah, Kurt, you're missing the point of this. I'm like, sorry guys, leave Mark alone. <laughs> yeah, that's yep. DeerCast. It's going to save you some phone calls this coming season. I bet the track portion will. Yeah, yeah. It gets during the season, you get summons a lot, you know, to mm-hmm. see what you're, th- and you want to help, you know, and I do, yeah. I and Bobby's the same way. Heck, when we have a hit, I send it to Bobby and John. <laughs> yeah. Hey, what do you think of this? You know, and they, they'll yeah. always think answer. Think of how often they get hit up. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. So that's why we did Deer Cast Track though. Yeah. Now every opinion's already there. Yeah. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. Wildlife word. You yeah, let's ready? do it. Let's do it. I okay. <laughs> Shaking with the wildlife, the wildlife word is brought to you by the Working Class Bow Hunter podcast. I, I like, like that. that. I do I too. Like it. That sounds good. Slash Nabisco cookies. Uh, okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll settle up after the podcast. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, Guess we'll figure something out. Taking us to lunch. Yeah, yeah. that's right. <laughs> Bush lights on me. <laughs> so I, I as, as I mentioned earlier, I've been thinking a lot about deer season. It's on my mind. So I picked a, a word that is not timely for this time of year. The wildlife word for this week is sidling. 
Does that ring a bell for anyone? Sideline. Mm. The name, the, the word sounds familiar, but again, I'm stumped. Sideling as in S-I-D-E-L-I-N-G? Sideling? No E. S-I-D-L-I-N-G. Okay. Sideling is... Too- That's sibling spelled incorrectly. <laughs> That's <laughs> correct. <laughs> Whoever came up with this Dang has it. dyslexia. <laughs> Our dear cast uh, editor-in-chief... Has, can't spell. He can't spell. He's he's a phony. <laughs> I've been subbing all this work out to North Korea the whole time. <laughs> they do pretty well. They do yeah, pretty good. Not too bad. <laughs> Sidling is to walk in a slinky manner, usually sideways. During the rut, this behavior is observable as rival bucks size each other up. They walk sideways, hair erect, ears laid down, and ready to rumble. It's usually the last step before a full-blown fight. Sidling. There you go. I like that I like one. It. He's had some really good wildlife words. The problem will be remembering any of them. <laughs> we should do a test at some point. Do a pop quiz. I would just call that. Me. Maybe this is my redneck version. Posturing up. Posturing. It's part of yeah. It's part That's of you know. what you usually hear it called mm-hmm. posturing, right? Mm-hmm. But now I can one up everyone and have the correct term. That's right. Yeah. I always felt like sidling was like going down it. On the side of a hill, you know. That's, yeah, you can sidle uh, a hill. Mm-hmm. Sidling, you know, like that was my yeah. thought when you. Or a late it. night out, I sidled my way <laughs> down the bar the door <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> to my room. Well, well, that's true. Yeah, done that a lot. So, <laughs> that was an improvement from last time I was on. I appreciate that. <laughs> you got up the game since you were yeah. in the studio. You made the drive down. Yeah, that was funny. Yeah, we try not to <laughs> have two crappy wildlife words for, for you. Got to intersperse same the crappy ones yeah. with mix them up, yeah. make it fun. You know, I've heard them That's all right. though. <laughs> oh, I bet <laughs> he's still here. <laughs> so, what do you got coming at uh, Working Class Bowhunter, Kurt? A lot of stuff down the line. Focusing on some archery podcasts. Get on some high level whitetail stuff. We're gonna do some uh, little western hunting podcast for the Midwestern guy that's always wanted to get out West and, you know, we're doing it the public land way in some cases and, mm-hmm. um, doing some outfitters and kind of giving our listeners different options if they've always thought about that. And then hone right back into the struggle of hunting whitetails and, and doing it the best we can. So, well, if folks want to see the show, they can hop over to Deercast If you're listening to us right now, see the show it launches pretty much every Saturday. So when you can see the show. If you want to be like Ryan and leave us a question, go to dreoutdoors.com slash podcast and click send voicemail. Leave us your name and location and a brief question, and we will do our best to get that answered on the air. As always, you can check us out on the Dreary Outdoors YouTube channel, all of our social media platforms, and uh, we're giving away a farm. Don't what? know if you heard about it yet, but uh, since we're giving away a farm, all you got to do is go to the DeerCast app, click on the farm giveaway tab. It's as easy as one, two, three. You're signed up and you also can win all kinds of cool monthly stuff, which. Yeah. This month we're giving away a lacrosse. By the time this airs though, this is probably going to air in July. July is a huge one. The muddy penthouse blind. And platform. With a 10 foot platform. Yeah. It's like a $4,000 giveaway. That's a huge one right there, buddy. And and to be able to get it before the fall. I mean, you're going to get that thing before the Mm -hmm. fall. So. And if you want, I'll come hunt out of it. <laughs> Nicest blind I've ever been in. Yeah, so nice. they are. They're legit. So awesome. So it's it's cool. All you gotta do go to Deercast, sign up at the farm giveaway tab, and you're signed up for all those monthly Easy giveaways. Easy peasy. Easy peasy. All right. All Perfect. Right. Until next Thanks, time. Guys. Peace out. See ya.